a question that I get posed all the time is like, if you as a Polynesian were to open a tiki bar, what would it look like? Right? And I oftentimes say like, it might look the same as some of these other tiki bars, but at least I'll be able to speak to those things. Hey, you're 86. I'm Justin Myers, and this is a show about how bartenders handle bad situations. Things can get dicey when we borrow elements from other cultures for our bar programs. Is it okay to use ceremonial fabric as a tablecloth? This is a very complex and nuanced issue that I had trouble myself wrapping my head around. But fortunately, I was able to sit down with Bay Area industry veteran Samuel Jimenez, who was recently chosen as one of Imbibe Magazine's top 75 that will shape the way we drink in 2020 for his work in educating our industry about Polynesian culture and history and how it relates to tiki. Let's get into it. Last year, a couple times, and and um, I think there's a lot of issues around it, so I've been struggling to wrap my head around yeah. it myself, and maybe you could, uh, maybe you could help me out, and I guess what are the, the big kind of themes and major issues um, with this topic? Oh, man, um, it's... It's hard because I feel I always feel like this is going to be a long-winded answer because it's not like super simple. It's a uh, exactly. It's, it's it's layered and it, there's a lot of nuance and there's a lot of like depth to it, right? Um, I would say that the main issue or my main goal, at least, is is education. Mm-hmm. Is to educate people on you know um, on true cultural aspects of what. Polynesia is what Oceania is at large as kind of the umbrella term for, you know, what people, most people consider Pacific Islanders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's easy oftentimes for people to kind of uh, minimize certain cultures or, you know, to overlook them because there's not a large population group, because there's not a lot of um, representation. And, you know, I think that happens a lot within the tiki realm, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say in my time in the industry, it's always been kind of a weird, uh, a weird like subculture of drinks culture for me to interact with uh, because I am first generation Samoan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I actually just spent a lot of time with my family over this past weekend. Um and so I grew up in the culture. I grew up very ingrained in the culture. And for anybody that really grows up Samoan, Tongan, a lot of these different Pacific Island cultures, like it's it's so it's so rich of an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that oftentimes Tiki does a terrible job at representing that. Um, I think oftentimes they run away from like the representation, like people that are tiki operators or people involved in that culture run away from like the responsibility of representing it correctly because they use, you know, uh, faux Polynesia or Polynesian pop as kind of their defenses to like it not truly being a representation of mm-hmm. you know, Polynesian experience. Um, but my answer to that is always, you know, for a certain population, you are the only representation because for prominent tiki bars in outside of the west coast of the United States, at least, um, tiki really becomes the only representation of that culture in mm-hmm. some in some places. So, 
it seems like there's a great deal of responsibility for places like that when they are the only representation. And that, that seems to be kind of the issue here, or at least a, an issue here. Yeah. Um, I think one of the the most challenging things to tackle is it's sort of the difference in perspective that people have. Yeah. And and then beyond that, having empathy for sure for, for both sides. Um, so you met your first generation, yeah. and you have a really deep connection to uh, your roots. And I think a lot of other people don't have that. That you know, 100%. especially especially other Americans who are many generations for, sure. <laughs> for here, they don't really have that connection. Can you maybe? So it's hard for them to understand yeah. what that's like and why that's so important and why sure. it's an issue when something is misrepresented like that. Can you maybe just talk a little bit about what that connection feels like to you and what that's like? Well, for me, like, you know, I think the, the more this has grown, right. You know, I've done, I did the talk three times, three times in 2019, Toronto, Boston, and then Portland. And we still have plans on moving it forward in 2020 and growing it in different ways. Um, you know, it's, it's always very interesting to see what people's are to measure p- different people's exposure mm-hmm. to, um, you know, Polynesian culture for me, you know, it's, it's Samoan culture. So as this thing starts to grow, I've been connected to a lot of other people within the industry and outside of the industry, um, of Polynesian descent, of, uh, oceanic descent, um, other Pacific Islanders. Right. So I, it's, it's hard for me because, you know, it's not a, we aren't a a monolith of you know, like a, there are different ideas and there are different opinions and um, so I, I don't really always like to speak as the authority on this thing because mm-hmm. when I speak it is my personal experience my personal opinion um, and then I just try to educate people but you know the, for me I, I really try to only speak about the things that I'm I, that I know mm-hmm. and what I know a lot uh, is just Samoan culture, right? Um, because I think Tiki takes a lot from different Polynesian experiences. Right. Um, but for me, you know, growing up Samoan, the importance of it is is rooted in um, what is called the Fa Samoa. Fa Samoa is basically it translates to Samoan way. And anybody that's really raised or, you know, anybody that's Samoan and kind of raised in that community, um, is familiar with that. And, and the Samoan way, Fa Samoa is basically, you know, uh, the pillars of um, what the culture is built on, um, the things that we're taught to understand and cherish and um, hold close to us, right? And a lot of those are centered around um, faith, family, um, but also respect, respect and a lot of uh, reverence and serving. I often tell people, you know, I'd, I came into this industry fairly late in life, not comparatively late. Um, but I always think that service was just born into me being Samoan. It, was, it mm-hmm. wasn't anything I had to learn. It was just already something that I knew growing up and being taught to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think because like I grew up with this and because like the Samoan way was so ingrained, and um, it teaches you a lot about respect um, respect for other people, respect for your elders, um, respect for culture, respect for these, uh, you know, the important 
pillars and aspects of our culture um, to then see those some of those same things executed in a way that can be disrespectful um, was really a ter- not a, was really um, one of the things that made me feel like all right well I should speak with people about this because mm-hmm. I don't think they understand what they're doing which is the most important part I don't I don't blame people and I don't vilify people for things that they don't know mm-hmm. so the most important part at this point in time is just educating people mm. yeah it's 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 so interesting when you speak about these pillars of Samoan culture um, like these are these are not like foreign exotic yeah. concepts you know these for are sure. things that that any culture has mm-hmm. um, but I think it's it's problematic when when people don't see those things and they just see you know exotic dwellings and different for sure. you know like religious icons and things like that and it, and so it's really hard for people to realize like no wait a second these these are just people that have families and love yeah. their families and you know respect their elders and all these things yeah, um, so how d- what are some things we can do to sort of understand each other's perspective well I know this is a big Good question. I don't don't think there's really an answer to it, but um, what are some things that you do? Obviously, education is is great. And so, what are some other things? And maybe how has um this process of of talking to people and educating people um how have you seen it help? Really, I mean, I don't tell people what to do. You know, I don't tell people what to do with what they know or how to execute the things that they feel that they want to execute. That is my my main thing in speaking to people. Um, at this point in time and doing these presentations is I'm just providing you the knowledge that you may not be equipped with. Mm-hmm. Whatever you decide to do from there is up to you. You know, I don't believe I'm not a person that's like going to stand on a soapbox and shame people. That's not who I am. Yeah. It's not what I'm about. You know, I'm it doesn't like, seem productive. Any, anyway. I don't think it is. I don't think it is, man. I think, well, I, I think it can be productive in their different realms, but, um, mm-hmm. but it's just not my, it's not my approach. It's not my approach so early on in the process. I just think so many people are, are misinformed or or not even misinformed, but just unaware because you know, there's nobody bringing awareness to it mm-hmm. or very few voices bringing awareness to it, and those voices often get drowned out. Um, so I think education is really like the main thing right now. And in, in my presentation, I talk towards the end of it about like, you know, I provide examples uh, and I draw parallels, you know, within the talk, I draw parallels to other cultures, to other people's history. Mm-hmm. Um, so that hopefully, you know, the people that are in the room that um, know their own history, that have an attachment to like their, some of the things that their own people have gone through mm-hmm. um, can then understand, you know, why these things can be problematic. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I draw parallels from propaganda used against Polynesian people um, in the early 1900s, in the 1800s. Um, and I draw those parallels to like blackface because it, it is a version of that, right? Yeah. Um, and I draw parallels of just the, the, the colonization of our islands to the colonization of islands in the Caribbean, right? Or the colonization of um, other, you know, mainland America places, right? Um, I draw parallels to uh, like the First Nations, Native Americans love uh, or their connection to land and mm-hmm. not understanding land ownership. And I draw parallels to like the annexation of Hawaii. Right. Um, 
and it's so so it's 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 dive deep into just teaching people about our history, mm-hmm. how colonization, how um, imperialism um, affected our Pacific Islands, how it changed some a lot of our cultures, a lot of our history, a lot of our people, um, how militarization has done the same thing. And then I draw parallels to other cultures that are more, um, that have a larger representation, right? Mm. And I think that's been the most impactful thing is people mm. being like, oh man, I had no idea about this ugly history. Uh, and now I do. And they can relate it to yeah, something sure. that they're more familiar and like you, with. Like you said earlier, it's hard for some people who don't have that connection to um, a homeland, to a culture, to something like that, to truly understand sometimes. You know? But I think so far the response has been great. And part of that is just because I'm not standing on a soapbox. I'm also, this process has helped me learn a lot about myself and my own cultures because you know, I feel like when I get up and talk, I'm forced to make sure that like mm-hmm. the things that I'm saying are true and are factual and I know what I'm talking about. So, Yeah, absolutely. So you were just talking about history and I think much of the, um, obviously I'm not an expert, but much of the modern history of the Pacific Islands is a story of colonialism and exploitation. Um, And that, that kind of thing I think can translate today into using the images of another culture for financial gain at your bar and restaurant, like a tiki bar or something. For sure. um, maybe you can first talk a little bit about the different kinds of exploitation and then maybe we can relate them to... Different types of exploitation in the Pacific? Yeah, and how, yeah, that, I mean, how that can relate to a bar program. Because I can also see it in other cultures too, you know, like if you open an agave bar or sure, uh, my, my partner's from Japan and there's a, you'll see a lot of people opening like Japanese, Japanese izakaya things yeah. and um, and so how can uh, how can the different forms of exploitation relate to bar and restaurant programs? Well, I think so. Th- an example I often use is is um, for other cultures that have larger representation. You know, if we walk into like you were saying, uh, like Japanese izakaya style restaurant, right? You walk in with the expectation that there's um, that. You know, your server or the owners or the menu has some level of authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. At some level, if in, even if it's if not a level of authenticity, a level of understanding about the culture that that that, that stems from, right? Um, we don't expect the same when we walk into a tiki bar, right? Mm-hmm. We don't expect the same um, when you see when if, if I see an image on a wall at a tiki restaurant in in and say I'm a person with no um, experience with this culture, like I don't know what that's supposed to be, what that's supposed to mean. It's just mm-hmm. um, there's no connection to it, so we don't have that same ex- level of expectation. You know, I think from an exploitation standpoint, there's a lot of different forms of exploitation um, that are very present in the Pacific. Um, it's often tough for me to talk about. It's the part that I tend to get a little bit more emotional about when I when I do talk mm-hmm. um, because there is there's a huge level of, of military strategic exploitation in the Pacific right American Samoa is the uh, number one uh, recruitment base 
for the United States military per capita, right? There are tons of um, world powers that have colonized uh, the Pacific Islands um, to exploit them for military strategic purposes, especially during um, around the time of the First World War mm-hmm. um, and the Second World War, especially as well. Um, Right, so that's one thing that I, I tend to talk about a lot because it's something that affects our island still to this day. Um, and then what I often see as um, you know, a form of colonialism, which is exploitation of you know, a foreign land for um, financial gain, right? Um, or imperialism, um, is going back is there's there's zero responsibility that people within the tiki culture um, take to represent these things in a true way right what that does to some degree is continue the colonization of our education system in the pacific right in that in the pacific a lot of these places that have been colonized we're not taught our own history you know, mm. it's much like the same as you know uh you know, like black history, African-American history in the United States, the same as like Native American. It's a very like small portion of your own history that you're taught about. You know, we're not taught about our ancestors. We're not taught about, you know, um, what our islands were like before colonialism, right? We're only taught about our colonizer's history. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of that, a lot of, you know, what comes from that at times is a loss of value for your own self, a loss of value for your own self, for your own culture, right? And I think Tiki perpetuates that at times mm-hmm. um, because we're not able to celebrate our own history, um, some of our own rich cultural aspects because we don't know them. And all we see is, you know, grass skirts and coconut bras and right. um, pineapples and you know that becomes you know all that that represents us at times for some people. You know, luckily we have, well, I guess, luckily you know we have other voices um, and and individuals who are penetrating you know mainstream culture like The Rock and Jason Momoa and mm-hmm. you know people like that. So there's a little bit more representation and a little bit more um, of uh, a little bit more visibility. But still, even now, I just think it's, I don't necessarily think that Tiki creates anything. I don't think that people who operate Tiki bars or that like Tiki itself is like, it was born out of evil. Um, I just think at this point in time, it perpetuates things that, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the activists, a lot of the people fighting for, you know, different, you know, aspects of Polynesian rights and uh, Polynesian independence, um, what they're fighting for. Tiki's kind of just perpetu- continuing to perpetuate, which I think is is tough at times. Yeah. Yeah, and it, if, if you look at the history of Tiki, and especially um, kind of from the consumer hospitality standpoint, um, you know, post-World War II, Two, we mm-hmm. had a lot of you know uh, we had a rise in like yeah. commercial aviation and people sure. were able to afford to go to these to islands, particularly Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And because there was, you know, colonization for so long and and the the island the people who lived on these islands were not taught their own culture. Yeah. Um, there was kind of this weird re-importation of this, like, not real culture For like, sure. back to the islands. Tourism has led to a lot of, like, those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Pacific Islanders' own uh, participation in those tourist aspects, right? Um, but I think that oftentimes, you know, you know, other people will point out, like, oh, well... You know, there are Pacific Islanders who, you know, participate in this stuff, right? I think to some degree what gets lost is um, towards the beginning of, like, when tourism really started to take off in the islands, this was a form of survival for these people. Yeah. Right? It's how people, it's one of the few ways that people could survive and make money, especially in Hawaii coming out of the Great Mahele, which was a redistribution of land mm-hmm. and the Hawaiian people losing a lot of control of their own land. And then being forced into um, indentured servitude and yeah. um, you know very a lot of work for very low pay that they lost a lot of power, mm-hmm. right? So tourism became a form of just survival for them and their participation in that. Um, I don't know if that's where you're going with that at all, but if that's if, no, uh, it's an important. It, it's all an important part of this. Um, um, as we said, like this is this is such a big issue. It's hard yeah. to even wrap your head around. Um, yeah, I mean, let's talk about um, what what are some things that are specifically problematic um, in a bar or restaurant. Um, that and and intention aside, like yeah. like let's just focus on some some physical things, I guess. That yeah, for sure. I think you know, and it's different for everybody. Again, like not a monolith, and it's. The people that I am connected to in the industry, other Pacific Island bartenders or people involved in the drinks industry or the food and beverage industry. A lot of us have different opinions about, you know, what's problematic and what's not. Mm -hmm. I would say from my stance personally is a little bit more, you know, I don't know, moderate. um, Because I think that intention is extremely important. Mm-hmm. And I tend to fall on the side of, all right, well, let's just continue to educate. And the hope for me, my belief is always that people are inherently good. That's the way that, just the way that I think about the world. So yeah. I think when you know people have the proper information, that they make the best decisions based on that information. Um, so you know, I mean, a lot of a lot of what a lot of the other a lot of the other voices you know, voice displeasure with, you know, religious iconography, um, you know, in terms of like tiki mugs um, and stuff like that. Um, There's a lot of conversation of just the use of tiki as the overarching term for, uh, you know, this tropical style of drinks culture, right? There's, Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the biggest problems of mine is, is the use of language and like on a menu mm-hmm. um, you can you know. give some examples um well i mean like it's just the like made up words uh. like you know um just made up words or you know i've seen things on menus and i don't want to like call anybody out it's not like who i am but um you know, i've th- seen things on menu with like certain words of from the Samoan language that just aren't used correctly yeah and to me it's just like you know 
why. And that goes back to that um, that lack of authenticity that you would expect. As we were saying For earlier, sure. if you go to an izakaya place, you expect this authenticity, yeah. and then if it's you go to a Spanish restaurant, you know, yeah, you know, there's some level of like, oh, if you expect if you if you ask a server a question or a bartender a question, they have the ability to respond with something that mm-hmm. is thought out and um, rooted and based in some truth, right? Yeah, um, that's just not the case. Um, a lot, a lot of it for me, and it's not necessarily problematic. What I want is for people to have an understanding. If you're, if you're mm-hmm. operating a tiki bar, if you're um, involved in that drinks culture, and you're using imagery and you're using language, but you have no understanding of what that is, the significance of it, especially when it comes to um, like tapa cloth, uh, which is a huge part of just like our culture in general. And it's being used in a way that's like improper or uh, you just don't have an understanding of what that actually means, right? What Mm -hmm. some of these patterns mean, what um, I think that's that's the biggest thing for me is just a level of understanding. Mm. That's all I've been hoping to bring to people is just more understanding of what our cultures are really about. Um, Other other voices in, you know, involved, you know. which I think is fair, you know, dislike a lot of it. I just want to see a lot of it go away. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm, I'm all in support of those voices and their uh, desires as well. But, you know, I think, like I said, I think it's, it's, it's early on right now in the process of trying to educate people about our own cultures um, and the importance of why people should be educated on them. Mm-hmm. And it's too early for me to say that people need to stop doing this, this, and that and give a list to people. Right. right? I'm not here to provide people a list of do's and don'ts. You know, I want to have a conversation with people and get them to truly understand. Yeah. Because I don't want to, uh, like, to me, to some degree, I feel like if I give people, people a list of do's and don'ts and they just um, – operate based on those things and that's fake progress that's not real progress you haven't created it i haven't created an understanding of why these things are wrong for you mm-hmm. you haven't done your own research as to why these things are wrong and and decided for yourself that they're wrong i don't want people to think that things are wrong just because i as a first generation Samoan, feel that they're wrong i want to have a conversation so that you can understand why these things are wrong and make that decision for yourself because then that's more impactful so that when you see it and you go out, you know, you can then have those conversations, right? Um, mm. No, that's, that's incredibly important. And I think the, I think the thing to do um, is what you, you just mentioned and, and just having an understanding that these, I think part of the problem with Tiki is like, it's been around for so long for sure. and people just, you know, see it and they, they don't really think about it. And, I think just um, one of the things that you're doing is just reminding people that like, hey, these things that you're seeing at this restaurant, like they come from a place and they yeah, come from a sure. people and we need to look at that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think there's there are like tiki bars and restaurants, you know, quote unquote tiki bars and restaurants that um, execute their vision well. Yeah. And with very little, um, even though it's a term that I hate using, very little like, cultural misappropriation mm-hmm. and I don't I should say that I don't hate using that term because I don't think that it exists I hate using that term because of the buzziness of the word right and yeah, how it'll fair. turn people off 
from a conversation if they hear it, right? For sure. Um, but I think Lost Lake does a good job. Lost Lake in Chicago does yeah, a great job absolutely. of execution. I think, you know, one of my favorite places to point out is Miss Things in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they do an incredible job. And What's what yeah. makes those places uh, different? I've been to Lost Lake and I had yeah. a wonderful time there. Um, but what what makes them different than 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 somewhere else? Um, the lack of uh, authentic. Well, the decision to not use imagery, language, um, religious idolatry in their establishment on their menu, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that you're at that point then not representing, there's no, nobody can misconstrue your establishment as a representation of Polynesian culture. Mm-hmm. Your establishment is then just you know, a tropical bar. Right? Yeah. Um, if you're just using coconuts and pineapples and, right. you know, and um, f- floral print and floral designs, and uh, you know, then you just become, you know, I don't know, a tropical bar, a place that's set that could be set anywhere in any tropical uh, climate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't have ties to any, you know, specific place or culture, mm-hmm. right? And not that it can't, not that it can't, but a question that I get posed all the time is like, if you as a Polynesian were to open a tiki bar, what would it look like? Right? And I oftentimes say like, it might look the same as some of the other tiki bars, but at least I'll be able to speak to those things. At least I'll be able to explain to people what these things are, what this language means, why these things were chosen, mm. you know, in, an, in a very authentic way. Mm. Uh, it might not. It would probably look really different. I joke about it all the time <laughs> with other Polynesians and other Samoans, but um, some stuff would probably just go over other, over other people's heads. Yeah. So I think people go to these places. You know, I was just in Hawaii in November for my friend's wedding. And yeah. Pacific Islands are magical places. They're they're beautiful and wonderful, and you go there and you feel this energy and you feel this excitement and you want to bring that back. And I think, um, you know, even even someone like Don Beach, who's who's kind of credited as the first tiki bar, I think he's a person. One, he was an entrepreneur and he wanted to make money, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, But he he spent time in in these islands and he had an experience like that, and he wanted to bring that back. And so I think there's a there's a difference between like being excited about something and appreciate something versus like exploiting something for, for sure. financial gain. But w- once you do that, there's this responsibility that I think we've talked about, and things can kind of get murky yeah. in there. Um, how do we how do we be better about like not crossing those lines and you know being respectful and just showing appreciation? Because I think what we're shooting for is cultural exchange for sure which i think not, is a beautiful thing yeah and right. not not cultural appropriation or something like that yeah so how do we move forward yeah. on that i mean I, I don't think i think that cultural exchange is a beautiful thing right mm-hmm. i think that a lot of the things that we're extremely fortunate to have in our world today especially in a place like the bay area you know and i grew up here um are a result of you know cultures different cultures mingling with each other. You know, the Bay Area is a true melting pot. Um, I think that the term, you know, a lot of people within the tiki realm, within tiki subculture, oftentimes say, oh, it's their form of appreciation and not appropriation, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's, 
I oftentimes think it's just like disingenuous to to like look at that as a form of appreciation when there is this lack of understanding, right? And when I was in Portland, we did um, we did the presentation, and part of the presentation we had like a little kava tasting, and you know there are multiple kava bars that have been opened up there, and there are a lot opening in the Bay Area, right? And this is such a huge kava ava. Is such a huge, um, like hugely significant aspect of Polynesian culture, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, the person that we ended up going with to have this kava tasting, um, the establishment, like they know, donate a lot of their proceeds back to, you know, different um, Polynesian funds or. Uh, Polynesian organizations mm. um, that uh, are currently, you know, doing things in different realms of, you know, activism or, you know, social work for Polynesian communities. And I think that's that's when it becomes a true form of appreciation, right? You're not just taking. Yeah. You're not just taking aspects of our culture and using it, right? You're also actively giving back to it. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a big part of like my talk too is getting people to understand that there are hugely there are huge issues going on in our islands currently, um, a lot of which are effects of colonialism, imperialism, militarization, um, but also things that we didn't bring on to ourselves. You know, this whole uh, one thing I t- tend to talk about a lot is like climate change. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, Pacific, sea, if the sea level rises yeah. on an island. It's the Pacific <laughs> Islands. The Pacific Islands are at, at, at uh, are the most at, the, the people that are most at risk of rising tides in the yeah. you know, in the world. You know, there's a reality that some of our some of these Pacific Islands may cease to exist in the next ten to twenty years, mm-hmm. right? But that's not something that we caused for ourselves. We didn't cause that. We like some of the lowest emissions of uh, you know carbon waste in the world. Um, but we're going to be the ones to feel that first, and that's going to be we're going to feel that in terms of the loss of the loss of our the loss of our homes, the you know, potential loss of our loss of our people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but nobody, I never see anybody talk about that in the tiki realm. I hardly see people give back. One thing I will shout out is you know, I think um, Chucky Tom is a woman out in New York, and she does uh, she runs a thing called Doom Tiki. And she does a great job of giving back to you know, different um, organizations. But that's also, like, she works hand-in-hand with a couple of people out there. Uh, Mariah Kunkel is also a, a Pacific Islander. Um, and they just did an event giving back to Micronesia uh, Climate Associate, Climate Change Association. Mm. Um, so I think they're, like, if it's truly appreciation, then there has to be some, an exchange isn't one way, right? Yeah. Um, so there has to be some form of that exchange instead of just continuing to take from our culture and use our culture um, to create this, um, to create this atmosphere of escapism um, and uh, exoticism for you to financially benefit off of while our communities and our islands continue to have uh, huge problems and it's not just like specific to climate change I think in the Bay Area like a lot of people don't know Bay Area is like one of the like the tiki meccas right mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time Samoan and Tongan youth are 
um, have the highest dropout rates in the city of San Francisco. Mm. Um, you know, so I mean, I often tell people like, if it's appreciation, then what are you also doing to appreciate our cultures, our communities, our islands, our people? Yeah, mm. it's not ex- again, it's not exchange if it's one way. Exactly, um, that's a very good point. Um, so we. C- this is such a big topic um, and we only have so much time, but before we go, um, is there anything else that, that maybe I missed and that you would like to, to speak to? I don't know. Uh, not really. I think, you know, I've been wanting to per to do the talk in the barrier for a while. So I think it needs it. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's layered. It's, Again, it's like layer. There's a lot of layers to it. There's a lot of depth to it. There's a lot of nuance to it. And again, we're not a monolith. I don't claim to speak for everybody in mm-hmm. our community when it comes to having an opinion about this. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't really think so. It's hard to like boil it all down to thirty to forty-five minutes because it's of course it's a lot to talk about. It's a lot to take in. Um, I think you know within my talk something that I talk about a lot, which you almost touched on, I thought you were probably going to go there, is, you know, post-World War II, when this, um, you know, kind of the second tiki boom happens, right? Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of that widespread uh, tiki boom that ends up becoming this national phenomenon, um, that's where it truly started, I think, truly started to become problematic in terms of, like, bars popping up in, like, Columbus, Ohio, right, which has very little Polynesian representation. Bars popping up in New York, which very little po- Polynesian representation. It's a little bit easier on the West Coast. You know, there's a yeah. lot of access. We're, we're, we're a community that's a little bit, uh, has a little bit larger numbers in state of California, Hawaii, Washington, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a little bit harder when you're out in, on the East Coast or in the Midwest or in the South. So uh, I think it's just my desire is just for people to be thoughtful, just seek out the, seek out the, the knowledge and, you know, hope that whatever that, whatever I can provide can, you know, start to steer that conversation um, in a positive direction. Well, Sam, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, man. It was really a pleasure to talk to you. Appreciate it. That was Samuel Jimenez. I think the key here is knowledge. Samuel and I both agree that folks in this industry are generally well-intentioned, but we don't always have the knowledge or understanding of other cultures, especially when we don't have any exposure. So read, ask questions, talk to people from cultures you're not familiar with. It makes it better for everyone. That's all for this week, but stay tuned for more. And look out for Samuel's talks about thoughtful tiki in the coming year. I'll definitely let you know when those are happening, so be sure to check us out online at u86.com. That's Y-O-U-R-E-8-6.com. And be sure to subscribe to our mailing list while you're there. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time.